Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you, Pastor. And uh, it's great to be in Adelaide. And I'm glad I came this week. 46 degrees. It's like, they're going to melt, man. Hey? Amazing, amazing. But I'm here. I'm finally here. And thanks for the great welcome, Pastor Joe and uh, Lena. What great pastors you have. You've got the best pastors in the, in the world or what, huh? And your building. Man, I've been to Adelaide for years. I've not seen this building. I, honestly, no one's taken me here. But yesterday, Joe did. Pastor Joe brought me here and showed me. And, um, you know, your building tells me a lot about your church. Did you know that? Your building shows that you love God, that you're taking God serious. And it's clean. And there's no tears in the carpet. It means you've created a place and a space for God. It's called reverence in God. And I just love that. And what a great church, Life Church is. And uh, to be here this morning for the first time, it's an absolute privilege. And uh, my wife would want to be with you, but we're heading off to New Zealand, as they say, New Zealand. Um, we're heading off there on Tuesday, and we've got a lot to do. We're there for about six weeks, preaching and ministering and visiting family. And, um, uh, but it's great to be here and to share this time with you. So what we're going to do, is it okay if I do my thing? Is that okay? Can I? Is that all right? Because this is what I find. If I do my gift, stuff happens. See, because what we can do is we try to copy people, or we don't, we always think what we've got isn't good enough because we compare it with other people. But that's not how you work with God. This is how you work with God. You discover who you are and what you've got and do your thing. And when you do your thing, God will anoint it. And that's the secret. And so what I thought I'd do this morning is we might pray for some people. Is that okay? And then I'll preach for a bit. And then we might pray for some more people and have some fun while we're doing it. Is that okay? Um, I've bought a bit of uh, resource here. You're correct, Pastor. I am an author. And I write books this big. (laughs) And people say, why do you write them this big? And I say, because that's all I know about it. And I've been, I've been ministering now for over 45 years, and I've found in the multitude of words, there lacketh not sin, right? <laughs> so what we're going to learn to do is condense. So I'm going to preach. I'm not going to preach for ages, okay? My pastor told me that after you've been preaching for 10 minutes and you haven't struck oil, quit boring. <laughs> so we're not... <laughs> So we're not going to be preaching for long, but we're going to condense stuff. So I've got a few books here. They're all $15 each. I've only got limited numbers. You can get them all on Amazon.com. You can get them delivered to your door, and you can download them on your device, okay? I've got a couple of books here on leadership, how you can go to the next level. Um, I've got this one. This is one of my favorite books. It's a devotional and you read, be good in your prayer and fast in 21 days. And you just go through a chapter of the, the Psalms of Ascent 
and there's some scriptures and thoughts, and at the end of the chapter, there's a, a to-do list, action list, and meditations. But this is my heart, okay. Let me ask you a question. Why is it when people find God, they end up boring? Have you noticed that? Well, you go to a soccer match. I've got some mates. We go to the soccer match or rugby match and they're yelling and shouting. They're all excited, right? And then they come into the church and they look, look, honestly, they look like they've been baptized in lemon juice. And we go all stiff and starchy and we won't raise our hands. Oh, I'm not doing that. Because we're not free, but when we're at the football, we're free. You understand what I'm trying to say? What this book is about is that the Christian life is a progressive upward life. If you're boring, stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Get excited. Get some life into you. And this book is about how you can discover an upward progressive life with God. And then I love this book too. This is another favorite. This is my, this, I would sell this. I just sell boxes of these. Yes, Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? This started out as a couple of pages for new Christians. And it was so um, popular, I put it, I condensed it into a book about the Holy Spirit. So instead of but Holy Spirit, I put yes, Holy Spirit. Because that's what we need in the church, right? We need a buttectomy. Are you with me? We need to get rid of but. Oh, but God. Oh, yeah, but pastor. No. Yes. Lean into God, right? Lean into God. Yes, God. What do you want? What do you want me to do? Yes, Holy Spirit. You'll love that one. And this one here I just wrote last year, and this is Tell Your Story. And that's how you and me, we can tell our story to our friends and our neighbors, people at work, how we can tell what God did for us. And that's just a simple book. There's a whole lot of little ideas in it. And I hope that'll help you. Uh, there, Pastor Joseph, I'll get you to get rid of those. That'll be good. That's awesome. Hey, you've got great music here. I love this. This is good. I found my hands going up. I'm a pastor. I'm in the reserve section. But I really enjoyed it. It was great. It was fantastic. Lord bless you. Hey, we're going to pray for some people. Is all right? When I prepare for a meeting, God speaks to me and shows me things and I just pray for them and stuff can happen. I want to pray for someone this morning and you have like pins and needles in the balls of your feet, right down here in the bottom of your feet. It's like you're walking on glass some days. You get up in the morning and you're walking across to the bathroom and you've got like pins and needles in, your, in, your, in the balls of your foot. I want to pray for you, okay? I also want to pray for a person this morning and you have... Uh, pain and heat on your left temple. It's like a neuralgia and it's like pain. It's like a migraine headache and you get it goes hot. And I, and I want to pray for you as well this morning. I also want to pray for a person and you have uh, stiffening in your neck muscle and it locks and you have to have physio or massage to really treat it. I want to pray for you as well and believe God for healing for you. Something that's on my heart and I've been through this personally, and it's something that God's laid on my heart. I want to pray for many people. There's quite a few people in this meeting with this condition. I'm not a doctor. I'm a doctor of theology. I can tell you why you're sick, but I can't. Anyway, um, 
So I'm a layperson medically, but this is what I explain it like. I want to pray for people that have chemical imbalance. It could be low iron, it could be low thyroid, high thyroid, it could be low testosterone. It could be all sorts of things. And I, I've found in the last few years, I've literally seen hundreds of people healed. And we've had stories come from all over the world of people as we've prayed for people for this. You know, I've discovered most people that suffer from chemical imbalance, it's undiagnosed because it just sneaks up on you. And most people that have low iron or a low blood count or sugar or something, they don't actually know what's wrong. They just go, oh, it's me, I'm lethargic. I'm, and they just get on with life. Well, I, I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to suffer with that. God can heal you and set you free. We prayed for a woman late last year. And the moment we prayed, she said heat came in her body from her head down like this. And she felt the battery. That's how she described it. It was like the battery in her life energy started to come and she knew immediately she was healed. She had suffered from this for years and in a moment in the presence of God, she was healed. Isn't that awesome? Who believes God can heal here? Do you remember in the right place? Hands up those that might have one of those conditions. Look at that. Yeah, people all over. Look at that. And um, what about people, because oh, I can't pray for or name everything, but you might have another condition. There's pain in your body. And you'd like prayer too. Is there other people I haven't? Yeah, look at that. See, this is what the Bible says in Isaiah. Surely he, had, he has carried our pains. And he has borne our sicknesses. Prophesying of Jesus. See, here's the truth, my friend. You don't have to carry that pain anymore. Jesus carried it for you and me to the cross. Just like he carried our sins, he carried our pains and our sicknesses. And this morning, through the prayer of faith, we can believe God and our pain can get carried by Christ. Isn't that awesome? Shall we turn this into a prayer meeting right now? Let's all stand together. If you raised your hand and you have one of those conditions, I want you now to move and take a step of faith and get out of your seat and come down to the altar here and stand in the presence of God with us. We're all going to pray and believe with you. Let's come right now. Fantastic. Give me your hand, honey. This is a new day for you. I'm telling you, it's over. It's over. I can feel it. The power of God is here. Isn't that amazing? Excuse me, honey, have you, have you had um, operations in your legs and you haven't got full movement? Is that right? You, so the operations have happened, but you, you haven't got full strength and full movement. Isn't that amazing? Sorry? Is that right? Could you believe this morning that fullness of health could come to you? I'm going to believe with you this morning. Amazing. Now, now, I want you to listen because what I'm going to say here right now is really important. And everyone can listen, but I'm going to talk to everyone here, but it's for all of us. Okay. The little woman that pressed through the crowd to Jesus decided in her faith that she was healed long before she was healed in her body. I'm, I'm giving it to you here this morning, okay. 
she decided in her faith that she was healed a long time before she was healed in her body. So we read at Mark 5 and we read she was walking in the village and there was Jesus and she touched him. No, that's not the story. If you read the story, it goes like this. It says she heard about Jesus. It could have been days, weeks or months before he actually came to her village. But this is what she said when she heard the message of healing. She said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm sick of being sick. I'm over this problem. I've spent all my money. I'm not getting better. But this is what I'm going to do. When he comes to my village, I'm going to touch him and I'm going to be healed. And the Bible says, if you look at it, she kept saying that over and over in herself. Her confession created a path to get to Jesus. See, one of the things that happens when you're sick, and I had no sickness until I was 60, nothing, never in hospital, not a broken bone. I've played every kind of sport. I've just been crazy, but I've never been sick or broke. Then when I turned 60, I had a whole lot of stuff begin to happen. And one of the things that happens when pain gets into your body, anxiety lifts. This morning, when we pray now, I'm going to believe with you that anxiety will lift. Isn't that amazing? See, here's the truth. You don't get healed in your body first. You get healed in your faith first, and you give it to your body. So we're going to pray a prayer of faith. The Bible says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Now, I can't heal you. You can't heal you. See, this is what we do. We try to get our healing. It's the wrong way. What we need to do is find a place of faith that we receive our healing and our faith. The anxiety goes and we trust God for the timing. Jesus set the timing for her miracle. She didn't know when he was going to come to her village. But one day, he decided to come to that village. She said, there he is. And the Bible said she pressed through the crowd and she touched the hem of his garment and immediately was healed. But the truth is, she was already healed as far as she was concerned. In her faith, she reached into God and she believed that she was healed. It was only a matter of the God's timing. So this is what's going to happen. I'm going to pray for you now. And we're going to believe together. And faith is going to come into our heart, a new faith. Some of you are going to be healed right now. You're going to feel something. You're going to know. Some of you will be healed tomorrow. Some will be healed next week, next month. I don't know when God's time for that to happen. But this is what I do know. God's time for our healing doesn't happen if we don't have faith. And this is how I used to pray. If I had a pain here, I would say, God, could you heal me of this pain? Amen. And then I'd go, did it work? See, it's not a magic trick. It's, it's not like we're looking for a physical healing. And then God showed me personally that I get healed in my faith first. And when I'm healed in my faith, I have a rest. I have a confidence. The anxiety goes and now it's only a matter of Jesus touching me today, tomorrow, next, I don't know. But now all my anxiety has gone. And have a guess what we've discovered. We've discovered hundreds of people are getting healed as we pray like this and pray for people. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing? 
I want you to stretch your hand out to the Lord like this. Close your eyes and pray. Church, if you know someone, pray for them by name. Say, my friend, touch them, heal them in Jesus' name. I want you to pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for carrying my sins on the cross. Thank you for carrying my pain and my sickness on the cross. I give it to you now. I receive my healing in my faith right now in Jesus' name. And I declare I am healed. Touch them right now, Lord. Let the power of God come upon them. Touch them right now in the name of Jesus. Just touch them right now. Touch them right now. There you go. Might need someone to help here. Touch her right now. You okay, honey? Just, you, just, just stand there. Just, just relax. So it's the power of God. Right now, speak to these legs, every muscle, every nerve. Let the power of God come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, sir. Reach out your hand to me. I can't touch everyone, but I pray for you in the name of Jesus. It finishes today. Let faith come into your heart. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Do you believe it? Amen. The power of God. I can feel the power of God. Touch them. Touch them right now. In the name of Jesus. Touch them right now. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I want you to thank God. Give them a big clap offering. Come on. Say, God, I thank you for my healing. Thank you for my healing. Now, I'm going to get you to go and sit down, okay? I want you to do one thing, and I want you not to do a thing. Number one, don't check out your body. I know what you're going to do, because I do it. Go back to your seat and thank God and listen to the message and just say, God, thank you for touching me and healing me. Don't sit there and go, did it work? No, 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 don't do that. You're looking again to get healed in your body. No, you're healed in your faith. And you give it to your body. Go and sit down with the knowledge and confidence that Christ is your healer. Amen. Number two, I want you to do something. When you discover that you are healed, tell somebody. Tell somebody. So you won't believe what's happened to me. This is what I was. This is what was happening. And now this is happening. And you've got a testimony, a story of how God can save and heal and touch lives. Amen. Do you believe that? How good is that, sir? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, church. Thank you, band. We'll catch up later, okay? Oh, it's good. Is that okay if we do that, church? I can tell this is a church of faith. And there's going to be incredible miracles here. Miracles. Miracles. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. I want to take us back to the basics here this morning and spend a bit of time, just a few moments, talking about the cross. This is what he says. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Except Jesus Christ and Him 
crucified. And then we read over in Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter 6 verse 14, it says this, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Isn't it amazing? You know, a few years ago, um, I discovered something. Churches all around the world have relics, amazing relics. I went to a church in uh, Bruges, even though we're Bruges in Europe, and they have a church, and at the altar they have a cross, and in the cross is a little container, and in the container is some blood of Jesus. I don't know where they got it from and how it lasted 2,000 years, but there it is. Isn't that amazing? I went to another church in another place, and I think it was in Austria, and I went to this church and I was quite intrigued. And I, I always like to visit churches and see what they believe and what's happening. And I went into this church and th there was another cross and they had another little glass container in the middle of the cross. And there was a little wee bit of wood in there and they reckoned that was part of the thorn of crowns that was on the head of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Then I went into another church and they had a piece of wood again. And it was supposed to be a bit of the cross. It's amazing. I went into a church in another place, and they actually had the bones of this prophet guy, and it was his whole skeleton. And he was laying like here at the front. Just imagine, in about 50 years, you have Pastor Joe here. Just. <laughs> and he was in like an onion bag. And... But the amazing th the thing that amazed me is people were queuing for miles to just touch the thorn or, or touch the wood. It's amazing, isn't it? I've got something like that at home. You know, my grandfather, when I was about four or five, my parents, uh, they divorced and there were problems and et cetera, et cetera. And we ended up going to live with my grandfather. He became like my dad, you know. And uh, I always remember him because he had a watch. He had a, a beautiful gold watch and it sat in his little wee breastplate thing, you know, tied up. He was always neat, tie and brushed his hair. And he had a little watch and a little chain went in there and locked and the chain looped down there. And he called me Snowballs. That's what I, he called me, snowballs. You know why he called me snowballs? Because I had blonde hair. And then I'd say, what's the time, granddad? And he'd go, and he'd click it open. And he'd go, quarter to 11, snowballs. So years later, when I was traveling, I was preaching in Prague, and I saw this little shop, and have a guess what they had? They had exactly the same watches. As my grandfather, I thought, man, I'm going to get one. And I bought one and I got the jeweler to engrave in it my grandfather's name, Henry John Cavill. And it's engraved. I've got that. It's at home. And you know, the other day, it was funny, my wife, uh, uh, Jo, she's a lovely person. She, um, 
Every now and again, I get a honey-do list. Any husbands get those? A honey-do list? It's a list of... Anyway, so one of the lists was I had to get new side tables for our bedroom, and she wanted to redecorate and do a few things, so I got these. So, so I had to empty out, and in there was this watch. You know the amazing thing? When I took that watch out of the bag and opened it and saw my grandfather's name, it evoked memories. I began to think of the time that he got an old bicycle and we stripped it right down and we rebuilt it together on our days off, his days off and Saturdays and eventually how I rode it. And I used to race it because he was a professional cyclist and I, I used to race it as a kid. And I, used to, and I bet all the kids in the neighbourhood on this bike because it was the best bike in the neighbourhood. And they, see, just with a watch, I held the watch. But you know, I've got another one too. I've got another relic. It's here. It's on my iPhone. This is why I like iPhones, you see, because right there, you see, even though she's not a relic, um, I've got a beautiful photo of my wife. And there it is, you see. So I'm traveling away, and um, there's another one of us, see, on my other page. And, um, you know, because she says, never forget me. So you always listen to your wife, right, when she says stuff like that. So, so I've got this picture. So when I'm away... I can look at it, and when I look at that picture of her, it evokes memories. It evokes my love for her. It reminds me to send her an SMS and ring her and tell her how much I love her. And we do that every day that we're away. We've been married 45 years, and, and, and we still love each other, and we will talk to each other. Like I rang her last night, my SMS to the night. We send all little notes, and she sends me all these little hearts and things, you know. And, and, and so you do that. Now, I wanted to tell you something. If, I, if I, I'm going home this afternoon, so tonight I arrive home. When I get home, she might cook me something or we might have some supper. Just imagine if I turn this phone on, I start talking to the picture. You're beautiful, honey. Absolutely. I really love you. And she's standing right there. You'd say I'm a crazy man. We see that's what Christians do all the time. They're trying to touch a cross. They're trying to touch a, a thorn or something, thinking that that's Jesus. But I want to tell you, Jesus has been crucified. What was Paul saying? That he's dead on the cross? No, he's reminding us that our faith should always center around the fact that Christ was crucified and he achieved and accomplished certain things. And that he's the risen Christ. He's the risen Christ. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 2. I love the New King James Version. It says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink. That's a good word for those that aren't fasting, I suppose. Or, or regarding festival or new moons or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come. They're a relic of something to come. They're a picture of what is to come. But look what he says. I love this translation. But the substance is Christ. Another translation, the NET says, the reality is Christ. So when I go away, I have a picture of my wife and it evokes memory. It evokes thoughts of love and affection. But when I'm home, I don't need the picture. I have my wife there. I can talk to her face to face. I'm going to talk about the cross from that angle today and just leave you with a few ideas. 
Relics and symbols and elements and photos are less important when the person is present. Let me say it again. Relics, symbols, elements, photographs, whatever, they become less important when the person is present. What the Paul was saying when he said, I determined not to know anything but Christ crucified, this is what he was saying. Our focus should always be around the fact that Jesus was crucified. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. That is the foundation of our faith. That's what we should be determining as the center of our life. Nothing else. Paul was not declaring a morbid faith. Oh, let's talk about his passion and his death. No, he was talking about a faith that is full of life, freedom, and power. See, the cross is not just about what happened to Christ. The cross is more about what happened through Christ. Let me, let me just say that again. The, the cross is not just about what happened to Christ, even though we ought to be aware of the horrid torture and death that he went through, and he paid our price. It is good to remind us of that. But that is actually not what Jesus was on about. It says, for the joy set before him. He endured that. So even Jesus isn't going, yeah, those dirty, rotten people, they killed me. Jesus isn't going back to the cross and saying, yeah, they hung me there and I'm going to pay them back. No, he had a greater view. He had a greater idea. He says for the joy that was set before him, not the agony that he was going through. So the message of the cross is not just about what happened to Christ, but what has happened through Christ for you and me. By his stripes, you were healed. Through his pierced hands and the shedding of his blood, we are forgiven. He went through that so that we would be forgiven, we would be healed, and we would be restored. What was his joy? That he would conquer sin, that he would defeat the devil, that he would save you and me, that he would provide a life of freedom and an overcoming life, that he would ultimately establish his church, his chosen people. That was the joy that was set before him. The cross was the turning point in the economy of God. Everything up until the cross was mere shadow, picture, foretelling what Christ would do. But when the cross came, everything changed. Everything. Everything. The laws fulfilled. The prophets are fulfilled. The heart of God is fulfilled. Everything was fulfilled at that point. Let's talk about it for a minute. Now, I know as Christians, when we talk about the cross, we talk about the cross. In our mind, we have that cross indelibly printed in our memory. And so when we talk about the cross, we think of Calvary. And there's nothing wrong with that. But let me just add a few ideas that we might think broader about the cross this morning. Number one, the cross is a bridge. Number two, the cross is a door. 
And number three, the cross is a gate. And they all evoke different pictures and they're very scriptural. What does it mean that the bridge is the cross? Or the cross is like a bridge? What does that mean? Well, Jesus came to bridge the gap. We were over here in our sin and God was over here and there was a gulf for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when Jesus died on the cross, I want us to see this morning that it wasn't a terminal, it wasn't some religious experience. He was building a bridge from where I'm at in my sin to a holy, forgiving, gracious God. And the cross is the bridge of life that brings us into Christ. It provides a path of access. It removes the distance. It brings me near God. So what does it mean that it's a door? Well, a door is an entry like that door there when we came before us on the outside. Everyone was happy in here and praising God and I was outside. And we create doors so that people can come in. There's also that door I can get out too. See that door? It says exit. You know, the amazing thing about the grace of God, you can walk in and walk out anytime you want. God won't force you. You're not here because God made you. We have to decide. And there's always an exit door. There's always an exit door. People say, why do people backslide? Because there's an exit door. It's because everyone's got a choice. But we need to decide every day that we're going to stay in the door. Jesus said, I am the door, right? See, these are very scriptural ideas. But when we, when we see the cross just as the cross on Calvary, where Jesus is hanging, dying, we are limiting our understanding. Because that was only in a moment of time to achieve all of this. But if we see the cross as a bridge, it shuts the distance down between us and God and we can come in. It's a door that we can walk in and enjoy all that God has for us. And it's a gate. Don't you love that? What's a gate for? Well, it's basically to keep people out. A door is to let people in. That's why it's got a handle on it. But a gate shuts people out or things out. You see, the cross not only bridges the gap so I can come to God, and it's a door that I can go through to come into God. The cross is also a gate that slams behind me and nothing can follow me out of my past. See, listen, friend. Christianity is not a self-improvement program. Christianity isn't an iPhone. So there's the iPhone. That's me. And Christianity is an app. We were talking about it before. You don't add Christianity to your life. You get rid of it the moment you walk through the gate and the gate of the cross slams behind you and Paul declared, if anyone be in Christ, they've crossed the bridge, they've come over the door, they've walked through the gate, Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. That's the gospel. That's Christ crucified. That's the power of the cross. The cross deals with me and my environment. 
The moment I walk through the cross and believe in Jesus, I come into God, yes. I'm closer to God, yes. But also my past, my environment, the world. He said in Galatians 4, through the cross, the world is crucified to me and I to the world. I'm going to show the age of some of the parishioners here this morning. Hands up those that ever watch Maxwell Smart. Ding, 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 ding. And he walks through these doors and gates, right? Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, Gets the telephone. And then he comes to the last one. It's a big gate. And he goes like this and then he decides, I'm going to have a look and he walks back and they jam his nose. <laughs> You're not supposed to go through the, backwards through the gate of the cross. Isn't that amazing? It's a bridge that narrows the gap and brings me to God. It's a door that brings me into <clears throat> everything that God has for me in Christ. And it's a gate that shuts the past that I might live a new life in God. This is called the great exchange. Sin and sickness have passed from me to Calvary. Forgiveness and health have passed from Calvary to me. That is the gospel. That is the gospel, my friends. Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3. This one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind. How can you forget? Well, the cross is a gate, my friend. The cross has slammed your past, your failures, your lacks, your sinfulness. It has slammed shut behind us. And now we are with Christ. We used to sing a song. I used to be a band leader like this young man here. I had longer hair than you, buddy. I'm just putting it out there. We used to sing a song. I used to go like this. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. No, no, that's all wrong. That's completely erroneous doctrine. Because what that makes you is a schizophrenic Christian. You're the meat in the sandwich. What do you mean? Well, I'm trying to get to the cross, but the world's right behind me. No, it should be written like this. The cross behind me. The world behind the cross. The cross behind me, the world behind the cross. The cross behind me, the world behind the cross. No turning back, no turning back. I want you to finish now. We're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I sang that pretty good actually, not too bad. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, look what it says. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The truth is, my friend, that when we believe in Jesus, we walk on the bridge to God. 
We walk through the door into God. The cross being the gate shuts our past forever. And Jesus is not on the cross. I just want to let you know that. It's an empty cross and it's an empty tomb. Christians make too big a deal of Jesus on the cross. Listen to me, my friends. Listen, if you can get this, it'll transform the way you believe. Just imagine right now I'm preaching and I drop dead. Sorry to be morbid. It's a bit dramatic. But just imagine I'm the guest speaker today with you as I am and right now I drop dead. And on Wednesday, my funeral is going to be held at the church. And of course, pastors and some of the leaders go, wow, he was such an awesome preacher. I only heard him once. or Actually, we only heard him half and he was, he was brilliant. We're going to go and go, and go to his funeral. So they all pack up. They get a bus, you all fly. You get up to my funeral and uh, my wife's there crying with my four kids and my 14 grandkids and my great-grandchild and they're all there crying and, and whatever. And in the middle of the service, they start to do a eulogy and put up pictures of what I've done, and, and there's a knock on the, the coffin. <laughs> they go, what, what's going on? And my oldest son jumps up, because he's always the nosy one. He jumps up and opens the lid, and I spring out. Bump and let me, let me ask you something. Would you remember the day I died in the pulpit, or the day I got out of my coffin at my funeral? Are you getting the point? Why do we have church on Sunday? Because that was the day Jesus walked out of the tomb, not the Saturday, not the Sabbath. He didn't walk out on the Sabbath to resurrect or renew the old. He rose on the Sunday, not on the seventh day, but on the first day of the week. Why? Because it was the first day of a new, whole new season. It was a new covenant. It was a new day. <coughs> and this is what Paul said. I therefore press on. I forget what's behind. So let me rewrite the song. The cross behind me. The world behind the cross. Jesus in front of me. I'm following him. Are you getting the picture? See, this is what they said about the children of Israel. If they were mindful of the land that they came out of, they would have always had opportunity to go back. If we are constantly thinking about Jesus dying on the cross and our sins and our failures, and it's just behind us, the world behind me, it's here. It's nabbing at me. I'm going to have opportunity to return. But if we get things biblically in their right order, the world, I leave the world, I come through the cross, the gate shuts, I cross the bridge into a God, I walk through the door of God's provision, and there's Jesus alive. I'm following Jesus. Paul said, I press toward him. He's my goal, not the cross. He is my goal. We used to sing this one. Yes, I'll cling 
to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. You don't cling to the cross, you cling to Jesus. Thank God for that song this morning. We sung about He is faithful. We're waiting for Him. We're looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Let me say this, dear friends. Do you know I believe so often we fail as Christians? We're looking at the wrong thing. Our belief system's faulty. And then we have language like this. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, I'm not. That is not what the Bible teaches. I'm a sinner saved by grace. No, rubbish. I was a sinner saved by grace. Now I'm a son of the living God. I'm following Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Hebrews said he's our forerunner. He's gone into heaven ahead of us and he sent the Holy Spirit. And the, the quest of the Christian is not to be looking back over our shoulder. It's to be looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's why when you get in your motor car today, I'm going to give you one last picture and we're going to finish. The rear vision mirror is smaller the one screen. Let me say it again. The rear vision mirror is smaller than the windscreen. Why? It's more important to know where you're going than where you've come from. But hey, we all need a rear vision mirror, right? We never should forget where we come from. But I don't spend all day driving looking in the rear vision. I wonder if they're going to hit me. Look at that person. They're moving too fast. They're going to hit me. You're heading for a disaster. You know what I found driving? If you make your decision where you're going and give clear signals, other people will know where you're going and you'll end up at your destination. Our destination is heaven. Our prize is Christ. He is the author and finisher of our faith. I want you to bow your heads in the presence of God. Will you do that, church?